Welcome back to another episode of The Blackout. This one, as always, comes to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we're here with you to discuss college football and bowl pickums across the rest of this episode. Alan, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Trying to shave off a few pounds after eating a bunch on Christmas <laughs> and New Year's and you know, just uh, live, living the good life. Yes, sir. It has been a blast, and uh, it's been a busy few weeks. We haven't spoken a whole lot since we did our last episode together, and now we've got an entire bowl slate behind us that we need to talk about. So, Alan, what have been your takeaways, and uh, what's been fun about this bowl season here in 2019 heading into 2020? A lot of really, really good games. You know, we, we talked about the fact that there were a ton of um, really close 50-50 type games. It, it has played out that way. A lot of tight games going down to the final couple of possessions. I mean, even on the biggest stage with Clemson and Ohio State, I mean, that's got to be on everybody's top five bowl moments for this this year. So I've, I've got a pretty funny story with that game, actually. I uh, My wife and I were in Boston and watching it. And so we went to a Celtics game. It was Celtics um, versus the Raptors. And so I have to record it on YouTube TV and, and just like, <laughs> basically, I swear off like my phone. I, I keep it off and that kind of stuff other than the recording. Well, I end up finding out who wins the game. I'm middle of the way through the third quarter in the game. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like midnight. And I'm watching it on my wife's phone, and she has push notifications from ESPN, which I've been telling her to get them no. off of so long. And the freaking final score pops up. Learn <laughs> who wins. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've waited till midnight for this. And then I've, I've, it's ruined. But, you know, it was a great game. I still watched it. Do you remember Trevor where – Lawrence is a man. Yeah. Do you remember where you were in the game when uh, when you found out the final score? Uh, yes, it was right before Ohio State scored the touch, the go ahead touchdown. So it was still 16 to 14. Yes. That's a killer. It it was. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, I have not tried to record and rewatch something without finding out the result in a long time. Uh, but that's a painful, kind of arduous process. You know, you got to stay away from everything. Like you said, all the alerts, all the conversation from people in public around you. Of course, that's not that big of a deal in Boston because it's a pro sports town and none of them will be talking about it anyway. Uh, but uh, but yep. props to you for giving it a shot. And I guess I'm, I'm pretty impressed by how far you made it. But that's a little bit of a disappointment, uh, knowing how deep you were <laughs> in that game. That's right, man. So, uh, yeah, that was a great one. A couple other cool, you know, Navy was a great moment, like them beating Kansas State and a great game. And then uh, Christmas Eve, you know, the Hawaii Bowl. Oh, gosh. Awesome. I could not believe that they came back and beat BYU. I was so pissed. That game was absolute nuts. And you look at that thing and Hawaii was doing absolutely everything they wanted to in the first half. And then you come back in the second half and BYU absolutely shut them down. And it just felt like, you know, even though BYU wasn't pulling away, it felt like they were in absolute complete control of that game throughout the entire second half. 
And then that final drive, you hit a big 35-yard pass or so, you drive down the field, you score with a few seconds left. It was a wild finish. It was. So how about you, man? What were your favorite moments? Like you said, all the ones you pointed out were great. You got to go recently, I think, to some of the best ones uh, with Kentucky and Tennessee pulling off their wins. <laughs> Tennessee with a couple of touchdowns late, the onside kick. Uh, but my absolute killer moment that I just could not get over had to come from the Kentucky-Virginia Tech game, man. I lived outside of Lexington, Kentucky when I was a little kid. So deep down, somewhere down there, I bleed blue. And watching Lynn <laughs> Bowden drive the Wildcats down the field. Get this, the last drive where they scored, 85 yards on 18 plays, a couple of fourth downs mixed in there, and a touchdown to pass to cap it off with 15 seconds to go to give Kentucky the lead against Virginia Tech. That one was absolutely bonkers. It was. I about knocked the girl. We were on the flight back at that point, <laughs> and I was watching the game on my phone, and I threw my arms up because I had Kentucky at a 29. Yeah. And, and so I threw my arms up, and I just about just whacked the girl next to me on the, the flight. And I was <laughs> <laughs> so I was pumped. And I was also super glad that I didn't have a lawsuit on my hands. Absolutely. I had to think uh, your favorite moment must have been the Tennessee Volunteers, right? Oh, my goodness. I didn't want to lead with that, but uh, that was so glorious. (laughs) I couldn't sleep on Thursday night. I was just so excited. I mean, I had come to the point where I was just, I had accepted defeat, right? Internally, my surrender, my, you know, my metaphorical surrender cobras were up and, and then just this glorious display of winning football, this, the, the onside kick. I could not believe what I was watching. Dude, it was great. The onside kick was the best part. You know, the fact that they lined up in a normal formation, they looked like they were kicking it deep and then they pulled it out. The kicker put it in the exact right spot and it was just an easy call, uh, you know, an easy recovery you know assuming that you know you go back and look at the replay and just had to make sure the ball went 10 yards Uh, but just Mm -hmm. such a perfectly drawn up play by the volunteers and you've got to give them a lot of credit for coming away with that win what a bowl season we have seen all right alan let's go ahead and do it let's jump into our awards segment of the show today we've got to see all the different things that we've seen and let's go ahead and start it off with the award that takes all awards. I didn't think we'd be saying it on this podcast because I thought you and I were going to be giving people a lot of tips for the national championship, you know, talking to the top two, three, four, five people and giving tips on who could come away with a win. But we already have a winner, Coach K Crazy in the group, a.k.a. Corey Gwynn. He's got 700 34 points and has a 51 point lead you can't even accumulate that many points in a game so he is our winner of our group it's been an impressive slate for mr gwen it's ridiculous man i mean that guy had such good picks i mean the minnesota game was i mean that that was when he kind of clinched it he had minnesota at a 33 are you kidding me nobody's rowing the boat that hard. <laughs> <laughs> well and I'll, then georgia at a 35 That's yeah crazy, well i'll tell you i don't know that those were the most sound picks uh but obviously <laughs> you end up on the right side of them and you get a couple of those to go your way and it's it's awesome you know so he had those come out his way and the rest of it i think was just a really impressive slate uh, but mm-hmm. even more so, let's break down his contest just a little bit more. So far through the 40 games we've picked, he's gone 33-7 and seven 
Like you said, just an incredibly impressive slate. Uh, no other contestant in this deal has uh, stayed within two games of him. So the closest we have is uh, another contestant with a 31-9 and record, just blowing everybody away. And uh, I don't know if you've clicked on his profile, but when you look at Corey Gwynn's profile, right now he is in the 100th percentile, ranking yes. 92nd in the entire world. Ninety second. We are in a group with freaking royalty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, we're privileged to have a guy like him in there. He's a friend of mine back from college, and uh, he has deservedly walked away with a free T-shirt from BellyUpSports.com. So, congratulations, Corey. It's been awesome competing with you and uh, trying to keep up because he's just absolutely blown everybody out of the water. Yeah, kudos to that guy. I mean, that was. Really, really impressive. All right, let's go ahead and get into the next one. Alan, I want to jump into the longest win streak that we have in this bowl slate. And you've got to start again with Corey Gwynn. 14 consecutive picks he made right, but there is somebody who tied him, and it is you, sir, Alan Denton. Congratulations. You each came away with a 14-game winning streak throughout bowl season. Very, very impressive. Hey, you know, I'm just I'm just doing the Lord's work out here. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, you know, when you guys were going on that roll, I figured that you both had a great chance, but I kept on looking at the number of points that Corey had available to him the rest of the way, and I texted him, I don't know, uh, two thirds of the way through this thing, and I said, dude, I think you might be the favorite. I think he was in about ninth place at the time, Uh, but I just saw how many points he had left and how many games he had gotten right, and I was like, this guy is just on a roll. And he may very well just be running away with it. And uh, sure yep. enough, that's what's happened. The the game that swung it was the the Auburn Minnesota game. Yeah, because we were we were neck and neck up until that point. And when that game swung that way, I'm like, there's no way I can touch this guy. <laughs> it, it was really impressive. All right, Alan, let's get into the next one. This one is a little bit more subjective. We've got to look at the best username in the group for you and what you've looked at. I'm assuming that you've gone through and looked at everybody in the group. What's your favorite username that somebody came up with? I loved the Agent Michael Scarn. It was simple, but an ode <laughs> to, a, to a legacy of a man. And, uh, you know, also, just, just because of you, it's it's kind of funny that that Bruce chose to do. My number one goal is to beat Kristen. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We laughed when we saw it. Uh, Kristen, my wife had done a great job and beaten him in our regular season group. And so he came out, he changed his name. And of course his one goal was to beat her and it has come to fruition. He did a good job. That's right. So everybody got to do the Michael Scorn. We had a couple of office fans in there because we've got a scuba creed. We've got an agent, Michael (laughs) Scorn. Uh, there, there's some good ones. Uh, my favorite, I've got to go with, uh, with uh, my good friend, quote unquote, I shaved my bowls for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I laughed so hard when I saw it, and uh, I think it's the best one in the group. It's just tremendous. It's too good. Annie is, you know, he's in third right now. So, or yeah, he or she. killing but- it, man. Yeah, it's really well done. Another one that I'll just go ahead and give some props to and I'll say is kind of a runner-up for me. It's a guy that I competed with during the regular season. I don't know him, uh, but I know some know at least one person who knows him is uh, Lou Brown Tire Sales. And uh, mm-hmm. his, uh, his entry name for his uh, slate of picks is called All the Cool Kids Do It. 
So, uh, <laughs> Mr. Lou Brown Tire Sales, you came in second place for me on most creative name. I just love it. I think that's a great one. It is. It's a really good one. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the rest of our awards. Alan, this is going to be a slate of uh, personal awards that we're going to give to ourselves. Let's go to our best pick throughout the entire competition. What's your top pick that you made throughout all the bowls? Give me Kentucky Wildcats at a 29. Woo! That, that, that had to be the one because I was watching that game and thinking, if if I don't get this right, I'm going to get jumped by so many people. Yep. The, thankfully, it swung my way. That was a big one. I had that one pretty high as well, but not quite as high as you. So impressive pick for you. Uh, for me, I'm going back to the earlier stages of the bowl season, and I'm going with Washington at a 27. The Huskies were only a three-point favorite against Boise State. They won the game by 31, but I had them at a 27. You look at that, uh, I had them at the highest point value of anybody who picked Washington, so I was kind of proud of that one. Yeah, that's a great pick. I mean, Chris Peterson came out. That team was fired up and ready to go. They were they were ready to rock and roll, and you know they had some folks wanting to go to the one put one last game on film and go to the draft. Hey man, we both pegged it. You were on it as well. You had it at the second highest value. You had Washington at a twenty two, uh, but I was pretty happy when I saw it, seeing that I had a five point edge on anybody in the group in terms of that one. How about your worst pick throughout bowl season? Ooh, it's got to be Utah at a thirty four. That game killed me. Evidently, they kind of suck and <laughs> somehow managed to to hide that for, you know, 12 weeks of the year. Um, uh, I couldn't believe what Texas did to them. Um, just totally dismantled them. Another one would be Temple. I had to, <laughs> God and help me. I had Temple at a nine. Yep. UNC just, just bent them over. And yeah. Just, Oh, my goodness. I don't think that was that bad of a pick, though, because that one I was debating early in bowl season. I ended up putting North Carolina really high because I found some things and some stats that I kind of liked. But, you know, it was a low point spread, and I know actually the line in that game started flying towards North Carolina. So there were a number of people even in the betting world that found that one. Uh, But I can't blame you. You put it low. If you put Temple at like a 25 or something, I'd be saying that's a bad pick. But I don't (laughs) think it's that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. For my worst pick, I am going with my 34 pick as well, the Baylor Bears. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They just got blasted. Uh, We talked about it on the podcast before bowl season started. You know, I said I had Baylor initially. Um, I was wavering on it quite a bit. And then all the news started coming out about all the Georgia players, suspensions, Mm -hmm. injuries, guys leaving early for the draft, guys sitting out the game to stay healthy, you know, just any and every reason. And I was sitting there looking at it. I was going, man, I don't know where this Georgia's team's head is at coming off the loss to LSU in the SEC championship game. They've got all these guys sitting out, and I think Baylor's a good team, and I kind of took a shot. At that point, I was like, man, I have to make a big play to be able to get back in this thing. And I bumped Baylor all the way up from like a – I don't know, like an eight or a 10, all the way up to 34, kind of taking a shot. But I felt <laughs> I felt good about it. And then sure. the game started, and my goodness, Georgia just whipped them. And, uh, you know, Baylor showed some life in the second half, but then they go for it on a fourth down early in the second half with all the momentum. They don't get it, and then Georgia mm-hmm. kind of separated from there. 
Yep, they th- that was one of my surprises was the way that Georgia played, considering how many people were not playing in that game. I mean, they were ready to roll. I think last year weighed heavily on their minds. I mean, that defense was was pretty pretty legit. I mean, Baylor couldn't complete a pass right. at times. You know that they they just were discombobulated. It was evident that they were not ready for for that kind of big boy football. You said Georgia was one of your biggest surprises. Now we're moving into the category for the best surprise of bowl season. It can be a player, it can be a team. Alan, who was your biggest surprise throughout the bowl slate? I have to go with the team that burned me the most, and that was the the Minnesota Golden Gophers. <laughs> you know, I mean, goodness gracious, PJ Fleck earned himself a lot of money, and uh, I think Gus Malzahn has shown himself to be who we thought he was all along, and that's kind of a pseudo phony. I think he is a decent coach, but uh, I honestly, I think he's he's quite overrated. <laughs> And that revealed itself pretty evidently two years in a row. That, or I think it's two years in a row that they, they've just gotten dismantled. And man, that was bad. Yeah, Minnesota played a heck of a game. For my best surprise, I'm going with the one I just talked about, the Georgia Bulldogs. Look, I know they're talented, but they were missing so many guys. And you go back toward the end of the regular season, Jake Fromm struggled week in, week out to even reach 50% completion percentage. In this game, he went 20 of 30 for 250 yards and a couple touchdowns. And my goodness, George Pickens was a nightmare for Baylor to cover. He caught 12 passes for 175 of the 250 yards that Jake Fromm threw for. And like I said, it was just complete control for Georgia in the first half. And they were far, they had enough distance there to be able to control the rest of the game. That George Pickens guy is going to be ridiculously good. And he's going to make a lot of money. (laughs) Oh, yes, he is. And the fact that this was his freshman season, Georgia fans have some fun to watch for, except for the fact that now they've got to figure out who the quarterback's going to be because of the news earlier today with Fromm headed off to the NFL. But you're right. He's going to be a star. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and who's going to block for said quarterback <laughs> down there at this point? You know, I mean, they're vacating about 1,200 pounds worth of man. Absolutely. It is going to be interesting to see. Alan, let's move into the next category. How about your biggest bust? The biggest bust is the entire Sooner State. Every <laughs> one of them. Every If you are a member of the Sooner State, you are a bust at this point. <laughs> My gosh, Oklahoma got waxed, and then Oklahoma State laid an egg. I mean, that Gundy game was one of the worst coached, single-coached games I think I've ever seen. And he was terrible, and uh, just terrible decision again and again. And I had them at a 26, so that was pretty costly. And then Manny Diaz and the U, right? Those are the a <laughs> literal goose egg for them. No soup for you. Oh, man. You took mine there at the end. My biggest bust was the Miami Hurricanes, man. Losing to Louisiana Tech 14-0. Just stunning. I know there were questions about it. I put Miami super low in mine. I think I had them at a three. I wasn't that shocked by the upset. But to be the only team in the country to say you went to a bowl game and to not score a single point. 
the Miami Hurricanes, with all the fertile recruiting territory they have, with all the momentum they had, with Manny Diaz coming in and trying to turn things around, in that game they had 227 yards of offense on 62 plays. They averaged less than four yards a play, and they had three turnovers to cap it all off. It was hideous. Ooh, Jesus wept. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Alan. I think it's time to move into what we're going to see this coming Monday. We've got a national championship game between two sets of Tigers, the LSU Tigers out of the SEC, the Clemson Tigers out of the ACC. We've got a matchup. You predicted it. LSU and Clemson for the final. Uh, I was going to say, you know, you're sitting in fourth place in this competition. I was thinking, man, I don't know if you're going to want to give away your pick, but you already did on the previous podcast, and now you don't have a chance to win. So I'm, I'm guessing that you're okay with talking about this game and exactly what you're picking. I am. I've got um, the six-point favorite Clemson. No, excuse me. Not the Clemson. <laughs> oh, not so fast, my friend. I Jesus juke myself. The LSU Tigers. I got my Tigers wrong. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that Joe Burrow is, is going to be a little bit too much. I mean, he's been remarkable. He, he could have put easily. I was rooting for him to put up 10 touchdowns in that game. Heck, yeah. One, he had seven and a half. I'm like, come on, do it. Just do it. Like <laughs> do it. And uh, But, yeah, I, I think uh, that LSU, and I've got them at an 18, um, a little bit too much uh, firepower. Um, in this game and and their defense is really rounding in the form it sure has man I picked LSU as well Uh, like we talked about in the previous episode my matchup I picked before the games were played I had LSU against Ohio State for a long time it looked like that was going to happen Uh, but Mm -hmm. after seeing LSU and what they did after seeing Clemson's defense like I theorized could happen struggle some against Ohio State they're going up against an even better offense against LSU I've got LSU as the national champs, and I've got it as my 40 pick. I moved it way up my board after I saw these games played. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a blowout. I think Clemson's offense is fully capable of putting some points on the board. But I do think that LSU's offense is going to be way too much for Clemson's defense. I agree. And honestly, Brent Venables made some exceptional defensive adjustments because I there at that first little bit of the Ohio State game I thought me and everybody was thinking that this thing may get out of hand very quickly but they kept Ohio State to field goals they did just enough but with Joe Burrow's playmaking ability I mean he is a he really is a, a far better passer and has some more weapons than um, Justin Fields did and so I, I think they're just going to be a little bit too much to handle and Trevor Lawrence is not going to run for however many yards against this LSU defense. Ain't going to happen. I'm with you, and I think one of the biggest differences is you look at what Ohio State was able to do with their cornerbacks against the wide receivers from Clemson. They gave them some trouble. You know, they didn't completely Mm -hmm. shut them down, but they limited their output throughout the game. And I think that LSU has the exact same capability, if not even more. You put a guy like Derek Stingley on either receiver, I think he's going to do a really good job. He'll get beat a couple times as well. Don't get me wrong, but I think that LSU has some capability there in the secondary that is really, really impressive and can go toe-to-toe with what Clemson puts up offensively at the wide receiver position. That's exactly right because, I mean, their their best part is that they've got a great quarterback 
and they have a tremendous core of wide receivers. But you've got an eraser back there in Frank Delpit, along with Derek Stingley. Grant Delpit. Yes, Grant Delpit. (laughs) Uh, What did I say? Frank. 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 (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And... (laughs) And uh, so we've got uh, just all kinds of man. It, Grand Delvin's going to be amazing, and Derek Stingley is maybe the best freshman in the nation. Yeah, it's been really impressive. And I think you know the thing that capped it off for me. I honestly, you know, I'm with a lot of the country people who hadn't watched a lot of Clemson this year because they weren't in that many big games. I was skeptical about that defense. They had phenomenal numbers throughout the year, but the competition hadn't been great. And, you know, I saw firsthand what they did against Ohio State. To be able to get pressure on a quarterback, they have to bring blitzes galore. They've got to bring guys from all different locations, whether it's safeties, whether it's cornerbacks, linebackers. They've got to bring five and six guys to get pressure because lots of times they're playing with three down linemen, and that pressure is not going to be created with three down linemen against this LSU offensive line. So if you're going to be bringing pressure, you can bring your five and six guys and you may get to Joe Burrow, but his legs are good enough. He's either going to beat you there getting out of the pocket or with quick decisions and these great receiving core, I think they're going to continuously be able to beat this Clemson defense. I agree. Joe Burrow was incredible against the blitz. If you, you blitz him at your own peril and, uh, and so if they're going to, if they end up having to blitz a lot, which I agree with you, I think that they probably will, then he's just going to be able to pick you apart. He he knows to replace that blitzer with the ball. And uh, those LSU guys can, can make some people miss an open field. Absolutely. Alan, I want to know too, as we, uh, we haven't talked about it. I want to know what you think about this matchup. Uh, you know, you were watching the Ohio State Clemson game on record. You were trying to catch up with it. Uh, what was your thought process and how that game played out and what matchup we have in the national championship? Man, uh, that's that Clemson-Ohio State game was was just such a quality game that I, that I think this one probably has has some fireworks in store, maybe that that game even didn't except for the late moments of the game, right? There were large sections of that um, semifinal game that weren't the, weren't the best, but when it counted, they were great. Sure. I think there's going to be lots of fireworks in this game, lots of big plays um, just because you've got some incredible skill position guys on both teams. Right. So yeah, I, I, I can see a couple of turnovers, um, deciding this one and and I just tend to think that that's going LSU's way yeah I'm with you and I, I think you know as far as looking at the matchups and how close that Clemson Ohio State game was I'd co- I come off of it actually thinking that man I think we might have ended up with a more exciting more uh more balanced game on both sides if we had seen the Buckeyes come away with the win over the Tigers uh, just because you saw you saw Ohio State put up 500 yards of offense on Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that th- through maybe three quarters of that game they were the better team. Give Clemson credit for coming away with the win, uh, but like you said, holding holding Ohio State to a few field goals there early in the game. A couple of those were even on Ohio State because they had dropped passes in the end zone, dropped passes out on the Electric. flat that could have been a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I think I felt a little shorthanded coming into this one just because I really thought the Buckeyes had shown uh, through the majority of that game that they might have been the better team on the field against Clemson. Yeah, I would agree with you there. For the the vast majority of that game, they were saved for like literally like three plays and that one 
last drive. They they were the better team if they executed. If the you know the touchdown um, wasn't overturned mm-hmm. on Ohio State, you know, like they had two touchdowns taken off the board. Yeah, and, and otherwise, that's that's not a game. Right, I'm with you. you. Know, they're they're kind of walking away with it. Um, I would have loved to have seen what J.K. Dobbins could have done against this LSU team. I th- I think that could have been a a great equalizer because Ohio state has the capability of just methodically moving the ball because of JK Dobbs and, and just Justin Fields is impossible to get on the ground on third down. And so he ends up getting a ton of first downs just with his legs. Sure. You mentioned it. I want to get your thoughts. What was your take on the uh, completed pass, incomplete pass, Justin Ross, the strip, the score for Ohio state that was overturned to an incomplete pass. I was shocked yep. that they returned it. Absolutely shocked. I was too. Um, you know, I get what the announcer was saying that moving it into slow motion made it, you know, is is different than um, than watching it real time. Like I, I get that, but my gosh, it it really seemed like that was a completed pass. I it agree. Really did. <laughs> I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I told people, I put some stuff out on Twitter about it. Of course, I had some Clemson fans hound me. Uh, but, you know, you slow that down in slow motion. I actually thought it was an incomplete pass live. And then you go to, I can slow it down in slow motion. And I saw, you know, two hands on the ball, three steps, nearly four. I've seen some people say they think he got it the fourth foot down. I don't think he did, but I think it was pretty close. So I'm kind of saying three and three quarter steps. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that's a strip. It's a score. And uh, I think at the very, very least, I think the play should have stood, you know, if by the terminology of the referees, a stand and not an overturn. So I was stunned. I was very surprised by it. Um, but I came away feeling a little empty in that game uh, with the result just because of that play, even though, you know, you don't know how the two teams would have responded. They would have called the plays very, very different had that play upheld. Uh, but I came away feeling a little a little uh, lacking because of uh, because of that one play call. Sure, I, I I can totally understand that. For me, it it worked out quite well because I had Clemson, like, <laughs> and you know I was I was kind of rooting for the Tigers to take care of business. Of course, you were. But, but, but watching it, I hadn't seen you know I hadn't seen the final score at that point. So, um, and and watching that play unfold, I in every way, shape, or form with the letter of the law, I, I agree with you. That felt like it should have stood. Yeah. You know, like that was the right verbiage that it seems like they should have used. Um, I don't feel like there's any certainty on either side. And so, because that was the rule on the field, then, um, you know, it, it seems like it should have stood. It is a surprising one, but we'll let, we'll let it go. And we'll see if Clemson can do it again and uh, come away with a second straight national championship. But Alan and I are both on the LSU Tigers in this one. So, Alan, let's look at the standings. Like we said, Corey Gwynn has already walked away with the win in this year's contest. Uh, but you yourself have impressed quite a bit. You're in fourth place right now. You could move all the way up to second with a win in the national championship. Uh, I have not done as well. I'm in 27th place Uh, but I've got, like I said, 40 points on the national championship in favor of LSU. If I get that right, I think I easily could jump all the way up into the teens, 
but you have clearly outpaced me as we've gone through this season. And our other noted guest of the show, Nick Delatore, is sitting in 34th place. And uh, as a guy who's seen the LSU Tigers up close in person, I would imagine that Nick is probably on the Tigers of LSU as well. Uh, I would agree with that. They've been so impressive this year. It has been a really fun competition, Alan. This thing is awesome. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that uh, listeners have enjoyed the show and enjoyed the contest. Uh, But I can't wait because this thing is going to turn into the same type thing for the regular season competition next year in 2020 during the regular season. And I think it's going to be even more fun with the weekly show and the tips and the picks coming from both you and me and other guests of the show as well. Oh, man, it's going to be so great. I cannot wait until next year. I'm already thinking about, you know, who's uh, with all this movement on transfers and all that kind of and coaches and that type of stuff. I I absolutely cannot wait till next football year and to pick against all the, the, the goon squad again. This is going to be an absolute blast. Uh, If you're listening and you want to be a part of it, make sure you mark your calendars. It's months away right now, but we're going to have the contest up and running at bellyupsports.com. If you want to get in and you don't want to wait that long, you don't want to remember to go looking for it, you can always shoot me a DM on Twitter. Uh, Alan, do you have your direct messages open as well? I do. Yeah, you can direct message either one of us. I've got a form that I can send out. I can go ahead and collect your name, your information. We can get you registered. We can get you signed up so that an invitation will go to you once we have the group open. There were 68 people in it this year, and we're looking for even more as we head into 2020. So it's going to be a blast. Alan, I can't wait for it. And, uh, you know, as little as I've impressed people with my ability to pick bowl games right, I think I'm an awful lot better at the regular season competition. So I'm looking forward to showing people a little bit that I know what I'm talking about and uh, (laughs) competing with you a little bit better during the regular season. Man, I felt a lot of pressure to perform because otherwise I was going to look like a a total fool. (laughs) Well, I'm glad one of the two of us has shown what we can do. I'm glad you've done it. Like we said, you're in fourth place and you could walk away with a runner-up finish. So it's been impressive out of 68 people. That is nothing to laugh at. And uh, going into next year, I'm going to have high expectations for both of us as we move into the regular season because that thing is a heck of a lot of fun and uh, it is is one of the most fun things to do during college football season. That's exactly right. I can't wait to get back together in August and get this show on the road. Absolutely. Alan, thank you so much for your time. You've been a welcome addition to the show and uh, we'll be with you each and every week of the regular season next year for this competition, for tips and picks and so much more. This is the blackout and you can find us at bellyupsports.com. Thank <laughs> you.